0: you Right, you are listening to SASS. Listening to who? The most sassiest pants. Super duper all of the land. With your host, the Mystic Man here. How are you? Star seeds, angels, savant syndrome. I hope everybody is doing good. It is very weird in the world right now. The World Health Organization has just been accused of some heinous evil shit. Oh, by the way, this show is explicit. Mind you, I do talk about some real hardcore stuff. But I try to keep it, you know, um, PG-13-ish. In any sense, a doctor, what's his name? Fauci. Dr. Fauci, you know, the guy on the news that was like smiling while everybody was like dying. He was all like the dude to talk about the virus in the White House, right? You know, well, you see, he was the one who came to Trump to say, hey, we got to shut down the economy. We got to shut down everything. Or else, people are gonna die. And yeah, well, of course, people did die, mind you. There's more to it than that. The numbers that he gave Trump were around two million. I believe it was one point two million to two million point one, something like that. Something crazy, right? Now, don't quote me on the number, but, the, you know, it is in the millions, and they were off by a million. And actually, that's the whole point. You see, it was just a little bit before that the World Health Organization went out and published. And you can go look this up for yourself, but let's see if I got a link for you. Just All right. <coughs> Excuse me, that was not corona. That was just me clearing my throat. So, actually, I am quoting a tweet. A tweet from a Ned Nikolov PhD to none other than Mr. President. And he goes, did you know that in 2019, the World Health Organization published a report on the effectiveness of the non-pharmaceutical interventions, NPIs, such as social distancing and travel restrictions in fighting pandemics. And he gives a little link here. It goes, apps, so A-P-P-S dot, W-H-O dot I-N-T forward slash I-R-I-S forward slash B-I-T-S-T-R-E-A-M PitStream. And he goes onward and he says, which concluded that the evidence for it was very limited. Let me translate that for you. Basically, what he's saying is that we got sker We got wham-blam and thank you madam as in the World Health Organization, literally, just BS'd us in order to shut down our economy. Now, there was another interview of a a general, right? And he was a uh, brigadier general Robert Spalding, who is no longer serving as N.C. N.S.C. senior director for the strategic planning, but uh, he was for the White House. That is. Until about two years ago. This article was published on February 3rd, 2018 by Josh Rogin, R-O-G-I-N, for the Washington Post, but looks like it was stripped and put on this website illegally or some shit. No, they probably got the, the uh, evidence, but I, I should fact check this, by the way, which I will, but I did a, a, a very thorough amount earlier. Starts off with the author of a memo arguing for a government takeover of development of the nation's 5G mobile network has been removed from the National Security Council staff. The memo's unauthorized release this week caused uproar in the telecom community and created embarrassment for the White House. So basically, the government and the general there wanted to take over 5G two years ago. Very interesting. Very interesting very strange why right well he states over here that oh you know yada yada china yada yada we gotta have better tech than them yada yada well then you know it's funny because then over here in this other article right so basically what's going on right now is we have super villains that's right. super villains. Dr. Fauci is a super-villain. He, he literally had a scheme. It was like, a dude who was like, at the table, because he was in the White House, what the frick? you know what I mean? And he, he had an evil-ass plot with the World Health Organization who turned out to be actually the bad guys. super villains. I mean, you guys probably know this shit more than I do, I don't know. I don't keep up with the QAnon stuff. I should have. That's my bad. I should have kept up. I just thought, oh, it's probably bogus. But um, anyways, with news surfacing that Dr. Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, may have been part of a huge scandal, as it's turned out to be an engineered virus released on the world. Yeah, that's right. It's patented. By the way, there's a patent for it, The specific version. It looks as though humanity has seen its real-life first supervillain. We have supervillains. Yeah, Hitler Hitler was an evil dude, but let's like, you know, not so much as a supervillain. I mean, you, you know, let's just, like, be honest with each other here. Like, he was a typical dictator. That's just, like, literally how they go, dictators. Anyways, reported by CitadelPolitics.com, titled an article... Newly discovered evidence shows the World Health Organization plotted with FACI and Burks to destroy the U.S. economy. Supervillains. Published April 25th, so 2020. Meanwhile on Twitter, Ned Nikolov, Ph.D. That was the one I uh, read to you earlier. You can find him at, at Nikolov Science. So that's N-I-K-O-L-O-V-S. C I E N C E, and if you want a uh, quick type in link, just type in eleven eleven, so one 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 dot gives slash zero one four ones dot gives slash zero one. So let's go to the general. The general here is asked a bunch of questions, basically about what's going on. You know. And I believe that he is playing the unsuspecting hero, shows up to save the day. And he's very American-like, because he's a general, right? And he's interviewed by a Patrick David. So Patrick says, If they were to announce a vaccine is out, and that Bill Gates is coming out with the vaccine, would you take that vaccine? How much do you trust the World Health Organization? Spaulding, General Spaulding says, Zero. You could call that a Plandemic. Because they knew that there was human transmission, and they let those people leave. First of all, the models are incorrect. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's referring to China. Uh, he was the uh, direct correspondent for the Chinese situation, or China uh, I don't even know. But that's just another thing to like keep in mind, you know? Okay, so they are hyperinflated, and that's the first week of this shutdown. He's talking about the data. And I realized, okay, what's going to happen here is based on the data that I'm seeing, the empirical data, the actual deaths that are happening, the actual infections that we're finding, that this is not going to be as severe as the models are predicting. And the models are driving us to shut a country down. And as we shut the country down, you know what happens? You have got a point here. Companies close. Businesses close. Oh, by the way, food factories have shut down, so warehouses are starting to drain, and supermarkets are going to be next. The way we do logistics and delivery of supplies is not meant for a long-term shutdown. If we don't figure out how to deal with this and open the country back up, the economic devastation would be far worse to our social fabric than anything the coronavirus could do. And of course, that's played out exactly as I said, but here's the deal. Those people are... Going to want to stay cooped up for twelve to eighteen months. that doctor Fauci thinks it's gonna to take to get a vaccine. So he says onward uh so what I predict will happen is people will be wearing those masks for about two weeks and then they'll be back to work, and then the masks are going to come off and then they're just gonna start living their lives again. You see, I, I believe he's telling the truth there, and I believe he's spot on. You know what gets me is right here. Patrick comes in and he says You know, you're not leaning one side or the other. It's very neutral, and it's not a conspiracy. This isn't something where you're, you know, you create content. You're not a content creator. You're somebody who was a general. You're somebody that directly had experience living in China, and you're giving us your expertise based on data you have access to that some of us maybe don't have access to. We definitely don't have access to but the research you can do. Yeah. Now... You know, he does say a good point there, Patrick, the interviewer. But I don't know. You know, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, there's two ways that we can take it, right? Me being of average intellect, I I consider that he's, you know... um, Well, you see, that's the thing, is that either he thinks that everybody's stupid and he's trying to, like, reiterate something. I mean, the dude's a general, like... You know what I mean, I would have trusted him if he didn't say if Patrick didn't say that in the interview, you know, but he does he goes and he reiterates it and he, and he stretches and he just like smothers it in, elaborating the heck out of it. very scripted. you can tell that something is scripted when a person stutters like crazy, and uh yeah, even the written script or the uh sorry the um the CC is stuttering in the, in the text. So yeah, I don't know, you know. He's specifically trying to persuade the audience towards validation of the general's credibility. It's like, it's hardcore. He's like trying hella hard, <laughs> the full thesis. And it doesn't mean anything exactly, you know, at all. And it doesn't, it doesn't uh, substantiate anything. But I just wanted to mention that so that you keep that in mind. Don't ever, you know, I mean, like, when this stuff is going down, don't even trust me. You know what I mean? Don't trust any freaking thing. Do your own research. You know, trust it to the amount to where you listen. You know, pay attention to the data. Pay attention to the, the what's going on. You know, believe it or not, what other people think do kind of matter. You know, you should worry about what other people think. You know, the, the, the Jews in the Holocaust should have, right? Sorry, just saying. Not to be racist, and it's not a racist. It's considerate. It's facts. In these kind of times, it does matter. That's why. That's why we have this uh, whole internet, you know, thing going on. People tripping hard because lives are involved. Lives are at stake. That's why unbiased research is important. Now, I could have been fed this. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, could have been some freaking, I don't know, some crazy people with an agenda and they just like shot me a link and then it showed up on some freaking, you know, fucking uh, social media group that I was in or whatnot, you know? You know me, I'm a web surfer. I go and I surf the web, that's what I do. I'm all over. So, this data could be wrong. It's always important to fact check, to look into research. I have a saying, it goes, all things true lead to source.
1: There's another one. As a thing goes towards the truth, it simplifies. As a thing goes away from the truth,
0: it becomes more complex. It's a uh, very much Occam's razor. It's just another way to put it. Now, I don't, know. I don't know. I just heard about all the QA non stuff. I'm gonna tell you something that you probably did not know, and I've never seen anybody else talk about when it comes to the QA non stuff. Let's check it
1: out. I want you to, um, if you got a computer next to you, type this in. I've been 007 Queen Elizabeth. Look up the history of 007. You didn't know, in James Bond. Maybe not Elizabeth, sorry. I think it is, but um, let's go history. Maybe it's. So. Basically, what we're looking for is the creation of the codename 007. 007 was, ah, uh, uh, there it is, Elizabeth II. I believe.
0: I'd be wrong. But basically, um, in the movie, if you don't remember, Q is the person that 007 refers to. Which is kind of funny, isn't it? Because it's switched
1: around now. In this sense, you you have Trump, who is 007. Okay, so let's see. Centuries before Ian Fleming would write James Bond into existence, another man signed letters to 007.
0: That man, John Dee, was a mathematician, astronomer, and some say magician. He was also a trusted member of Queen Elizabeth's, uh, Elizabeth I's court. That's what it was. Some historians say that Dee was a spy for Elizabeth. Thus, making him an even more fitting inspiration for Ian Fleming's hero. Yeah.
1: So we're talking about 1540s. That's nuts.
0: Well, I could read on, but why not, right? Born in 1527, John Dee would later earn a reputation as one of the most learned men of his age. He attended St. John's College, Cambridge, from 1542 until 1546. He was so successful that he was made a fellow at Trinity College. He was there working on a stage performance of Aristophanes' piece that D. gained attention for being a magician. Apparently, his stage effects were so clever, the audience could find no natural explanation for them. He spent the late 1540s and the early 1550s traveling throughout Europe. He studied at Leuven in Brussels and delivered a lecture in Euclid in Euclid in Paris, or however you pronounce it there. Sorry if I. Murdered you. He met and befriended a legendary cartographer Gerardus Mercator, and when he returned to England, he brought a significant collection of astronomical and mathematical instruments.
2: I thought most people uh, were not apathetic. I think they're confused basically because you hear intelligent people from uh, both political parties or in the middle, conservatives and liberals, and they all seem to have different answers as to what is going wrong in the country. Some people say, well, let's let the government spend billions of dollars and then other people say, no, no more federal spending. Uh, Let's give the tax rebates and the other intelligent people say, no tax rebates, we've got to do this and do that. So everybody is confused. Uh, How how do you see the thing? How are we going to get out of
3: this? Well, uh, Johnny, I think that one of the things is that people keep looking to government for the answer, and government's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> you, a moment ago, you, you asked you know, about people and feeling not only confused, but right. low and, and down in America. First of all, the American people, if they would just take a little inventory and look around, you triple our troubles, and we're better off than any other people on Earth. And we've asked so much of government, and we've gotten in the habit over the last 40 years of thinking that government has the answers. There's very little that government can do as efficiently and as economically as the people can do themselves. And if government would shut the doors and sneak away for about three weeks, we'd never miss them. Now, the—if if the people Anybody want to Anybody you chair, had in mind particularly? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I said this while I was in government. <laughs> okay. Our biggest problem is that we have built a permanent structure of government, federal, state, and local. The permanent employees, and they've come to the place that they actually determine policy in this country more than does the Congress of the United States. Mm -hmm. There are 14 and a half million public employees in the United States, that's quite a voting block. And the bureaus and agencies, not in Washington, I heard you talking earlier about uh, some of the research programs. Mm -hmm. Well, there was a senator the other day and he took up some pages of the congressional record. He was doing the same thing you were, listing all these crazy research programs and how much they were costing and wound up his speech by introducing his own. He wants a study in a research of transcendental meditation. So, uh, you know, there's a state senator in Michigan and he just found out the other day they got a $93,000 study on whether chitlins are bad for you. And... and he said that as a fourth-generation <laughs> chitlin eater, he figured that he could tell you how for 93 cents you could find out the answer to that. No, we laugh at those things, uh, but they do happen, I guess. Oh, listen, there you had some beauties and there's some others. What would you say if I told you about one, a study in which this was called the, um, the uh, demography of happiness? And in this study, the government found out that uh, young people are happier than old people. <laughs> And uh, they found out that people that earn more are happier than people that earn less. And they found out that well people are happier than sick people. That's good. Well, that's now, glad this to was $249,000 to find out it's better to be rich, young, and healthy than old, poor, and sick.
2: <laughs> so when you say now that it's that the government but may be the problem, so. Uh, so what do people do? They well, have to look to somebody, and you say, if they look for themselves, that's...
3: Uh, it may be good advice, but, but how about somebody home.
2: who's on a, you know, a Social Security pension, or a pension that are trying to live on $150 a month, you know, they have to look to somebody, I guess. Yeah. And they're saying, hey, we can't make
3: it. We can't afford to go to a doctor. Uh, Well 62% of the people can't stay home in an election and cure things as we did in the last election I just read this week on I heard this week on the radio
2: They dropped 300,000 voters from the Los Angeles roll because they didn't take the time to go to the polls
3: in the last election 300,000 people is the lowest percentage in history only 38% of the people voted in the national election and This means that people aren't paying any attention to what well here a poll was taken recently that found out that only 46% of the people in the poll could name their United States congressman. But what was worse, 86% of those who could name him couldn't tell you a single thing that he represented or stood for. They just knew that he represented yeah. the yeah. state. Yeah, he was a congressman, but around. what's he doing while he's up there? And the same is true at the, at the local levels of government and, and all the rest, but. Um, so you're saying people really have to take an active interest and you have to have con- uh, citizen action right. groups locally and. Uh, and let them know. Concerned See, special citizens and in groups. Now the special interest groups aren't as everyone thought big powerful business interests or something that are going to persuade government to do things. As a matter of fact, I don't know anyone with less influence today in government than business. They're just a convenient whipping boy. But it's the groups that have got a particular axe to grind. You can't have a power plant because it might interfere with the, the seagulls. Now I think I'm an environmentalist. And I do not agree with those people way over on the edge who pave the whole country over in the name of progress. But also, I don't like those on the other extreme that won't let you build a house unless it looks like a bird's nest. Oh. Someplace in the middle, we've got to allow people or ecology, too. Right. Well, this kind of group, and they want their particular program. Hundreds of dollars have been added to the cost of an automobile putting gadgets on it to, to clear up the air. We're the only country in the world that's set out to do it that way. The automobile industry over and over again told government if they give them more time, the right. answer lay in making the motor more efficient and making it burn the fuel better. And um, when they were given the limited time, there was only one thing they could turn to. That was the add-ons that you had to go. And uh,
2: the verdict is really kind of still out on on those, when whether they're going to add more sulfuric anything? acid to the, to the air or not. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Now, you've been asked this question. I'm sure you knew that I was, would, might possibly bring it up tonight. Uh, There's an election coming up, uh, you're out of politics now, but you're speaking, and as I say, you're going around the country. Um, Do You envision a possibility, uh, say in 76, if the convention, say, was deadlocked, I'm giving you all the theories and so forth, and the conservatives took over, possibly, and got control of the the electoral process, and they couldn't quite make a decision, and they came to you and said, uh, Governor Reagan. Uh, we can't decide between Mr. Ford, and Mr. Rockefeller. We're divided. Um, would you like to? Uh, would you like to go to the White House? Uh,
3: you remember that answer I gave you about the CIA? Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, come on, come on! <laughs> now. I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> I, I can understand the CIA now, I but
3: uh, no. I, I thought that was delicately phrased. I, yes, <laughs> verbose but delicate. Yes, verbose yeah. but delicate. I. Uh, no, I think it's an unanswerable question. I don't think anyone in view of the things that have gone on the last few years knows what's going to happen in the, in the next two years mm-hmm. down the road. I think that everyone should hope and pray that people are there will do the job so well that there won't be any question mm-hmm. about it. Because if they do, then everything's all right with the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think they're doing their job well? Well, I agree with some things and disagree with others. When they, when, they give me a, when they give me a choice between a $53 billion deficit in the budget and an $80 billion deficit, when budget deficits are what's causing inflation, I don't see that there's any room to be on either side of that argument. Yeah, I million. think the answer to curing inflation is a balanced budget. Now, how do you do that? I mean, well, it's not, how do you balance the budget? Well, balancing the budget is like protecting your virtue. You don't spend virt- more than you take in, right? No, it's like protecting your virtue. You have to learn to say no.
2: <laughs> there's got to be another way. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the second option?
3: <laughs> well, no, there's some ways that this could be brought about. First of all, that limitation. Here, here's another one. Why shouldn't we have, in addition to a simplified income tax, why shouldn't we also have a law that says that any time a legislator or a congressman introduces a spending program, he has to introduce with it a tax program to pay for it? Then let the people find out. There was a woman that, uh, from a financial firm that was back at the President's Economic Council and her words weren't quoted. Everybody else's words got in the paper, all the Hellers and the gallbreaths and all the so-called economists. and. I, had a, I have a degree in economics, so I can say this. I think an economist is someone who has a 5 Beta Kappa key on one end of his watch chain and no watch on the other. Uh, this woman said that you go to the polls and you ask the people do they want some social service, some program that government can give, and the people in the polls are apt to read and say, that sounds good, yeah. Mm. But she says that isn't exactly accurate. She says, put a $100 bill in each person's hand. And then show them the program and say, now, isn't that a nice program? Do you want it? Give me the $100. And she says, see what the poll says then, and how many people hang on to the $100 instead of the program. In other words, if it's rather hidden and someone doesn't know exactly yeah. where it's going to come they from. They all this. start, all the government programs start a dollar down and we'll catch you later. And, uh, and they, they multiply all of those yeah. things that you were. The Office of Management and Budget in Washington that's responsible for the budget, putting, mm. up, putting the budget together, Cannot even tell you how many boards, commissions, agencies, bureaus, and departments there are in the federal government. Yeah. But all of them can pass regulations, and those yeah. regulations have the force of law. And the difference is, when you break the law, you're innocent until proven guilty. When you break a regulation, the fellow that charges you with breaking the regulation, you're guilty.
1: Right.
3: And if you want to take him to court and prove you're innocent, that's up to you. Right. And uh, all of these are things that, that. Um, Yes, we can trim the budget. There's nope. enough fat in the federal government that if you rendered it, you could wash the world. You uh, <laughs> no, you took.
2: They took a poll of the American people the past week, and I think 78% or some, around 75% were opposed to more military aid to uh, Vietnam and Cambodia and Southeast Asia in general. And yet the administration uh, was trying to tell the American people that a couple hundred million or $222 million would make some kind of difference or that the government might make it and uh, how do you feel? Do you think that that is a a lost cause in a way? I think people can see humanitarian uh, you know, for children, hospitals, et cetera, medical supplies and food but it seems that the public has just almost had it up with military involvement where we feel we are not directly threatened.
3: Well, we we are uh, fed up. We're war weary after a long and badly fought war. On the other hand, and this is one where I'll probably lose a lot of people because it isn't popular or political to say this uh, today. Uh, When we withdrew our troops, we made a ceasefire, a peace agreement. And it was based on uh, supporting the non-communist forces in Indochina on a basis of one-for-one replacement. Every bullet, they expended a bullet to replace it. If the communists violated the ceasefire, Mm -hmm. The communists have violated the ceasefire 72,000 times since it was instituted and we brought our men home. And I think for the United States to break its word, we're in that agreement, we pledged something, and the Congress is now saying that the United States reserves the right to just break its word and not, what are the allies ever gonna trust us? And I, uh, there's no question that backed by Red China and the Soviet Union, the communist forces in Vietnam and Cambodia are on their way to take those over. They do, of course, Laos just automatically falls. Mm-hmm. Then they're on the edge of Indonesia, 140 million people, which comes within 14 miles at its nearest point of the Philippines. The domino theory is in Is that existence. still a viable theory, do you think? And, uh, yes, it is, and I, I could see the United States one day being very, very lonely. Now, it's a very funny thing that the same forces that want to cut Our defense spending are the same ones that want to increase all these social services and this social tinkering and experimenting that hasn't worked. And every time it doesn't work, they just impose a more (coughs) expensive program on top of it. I think the American people, if they really look at all the facts, uh, yes, we want fiscal responsibility. But I think we also want a country that is strong enough at all times that we can say to any adventurous guys over there on the other side of the water, you better look twice, brother." Mm. Uh, before you start getting rough yeah. that we can take care of ourselves yeah. you As you said
2: mm. as you, said, you even before you made the statement that would probably get mixed for your uh, yeah. uh, Reaction
3: an and I can understand that people are and it's hard to understand how maybe your interest is involved 10,000 miles away uh, but Russia seems concerned that their interests mm-hmm. extend all the way to Cuba and to South America, to Chile and to other countries of that kind. And They're the ones that have said they're going to impose their way of life on the rest of the world. We mm-hmm. haven't said we want to do it to the rest of the world, our way. Let me ask you one more question uh,
2: before you go. Let us assume that there's a third party, that neither party seems to go. Yeah. Uh, you like this approach already, huh? <laughs> uh, and they're thrown into disarray, as they say and a third party is formed. Would you think that'll ever happen in this country, where a third party will be a a major type of uh, uh, alternate to uh, what we have?
3: Well, I'd still prefer to see uh, a revitalization of the two major parties we have, uh, because the two-party system has served us very well. Third parties have a notorious way of not being successful. Now, the Republican Party, some people say, well, that was a third party a hundred years ago when it started. It actually wasn't. It was a second party. The Whig party had right. shrunk and shrunk, and then the remainder of the Whig party said to two other groups that had formed parties, hey, want to get together with us? They changed their name and called themselves the other party. And so it was, in effect, the Whigs just disappeared. It was a new second party. Right. Uh, maybe this is time. Maybe it's time for uh, realignment between people who might be find themselves in the wrong parties. Right. Uh, maybe there are some people still voting... I was a Democrat most of my life. I became a Republican only not too many years ago. And uh, I had the pleasure of telling some of those people that are saying the Republican Party ought to broaden its base the other day that uh, when I switched parties, I didn't do it because the two parties were alike. I did it because they were different. And uh, I think that the two parties ought to stand up as to what they represent, what they stand for. A third party, I—they have a way of electing the wrong people. They because they simply divide themselves from the other forces that feel the same way, and then the other fella sneaks in. And um, I—it uh, it could happen that the that neither party would would rec- represent what the people want, and right. finally the people would take some action and do something about it. But I'd I'd rather devote our effort to seeing if we can't. Find out what the present two parties stand for, and which
2: one we want. But to go you don't to. see yourself, or do you see yourself as maybe as a part of that, actively, active politically again?
3: Uh, I certainly you know, don't
2: give up, do I? Uh,
3: yeah, you, you, uh, you sure, sure don't. I wish I could think of a good get-off line. I have Lawrence Pivak's old question now. Yeah, yeah. Nancy, Nancy, you know, said to to say hello tonight. She thought it was great that we we're both in town at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you too, huh? I get that. Thanks for being with us tonight.
2: Really, it's a pleasure it was a to pleasure. see you again,
1: my like
0: Alright. It has been a crazy time. Alrighty. Thank you for listening. It is a wild time. Outside, I've got kids screaming, helicopters flying by, police and shit. Shit. And, um, yeah. I am staying right here chilling. Yep. I hope you're chilling too. Thank you for listening. And thank you again to my fans in Paris, France, you guys are, are, are almost at 70% of my entire listening, um, my listeners. That's like nuts. How? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's some kind of um, uh, API function glitch or what but i mean I, uh multiple platforms measure that and yeah thank you i hope this episode was not too nuts i've got another one coming up and it will be more calming more soothing about grounding Uwa mao ke ea uka aina ika pono, o humanity. Aloha nui loa.